soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. pick it up in verse 13, where we finished the Beatitudes last week, the attitude or the disposition of what the believer in Jesus Christ, who they're to be, it's progressive, their relationship vertically with God, horizontally with humanity, and loving people even when they persecute you and come against you for Jesus' namesake and righteousness' sake. And with that background, we do pick it up in verse 13, where Jesus says this to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven." Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the Old Testament or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all this is fulfilled. Whoever, therefore, breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven." For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. This is our text for tonight. And while it's in the flow and the context of the Sermon on the Mount, we really have three things here. We have salt, light, and the law of God for the disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a very easy three-point sermon if you're a preacher. He had three topics, salt, light, and the law of God. So let's break these down tonight here, starting with the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. What an interesting statement. I don't know how many world religions or philosophies talk about their disciples and their followers. I never heard Karl Marx say you're the salt of the earth. You're the scourge of the earth is probably what he should have said, or false religions, what they might say. But Jesus describing the church of Jesus Christ and the disciple of Jesus Christ who makes up the church. So we can start with an individual like we're individuals tonight. And then we come as being a local church. Here we are gathered as two or more. And we're part of the universal church of Jesus Christ. It can be said for each of us individually, collectively here, and part of the universal church that we're a part of worldwide right now. Jesus says to us, from the one individual to all those who are born again this day on planet Earth, July 24th, 2021, that we are the salt of the earth. That's an interesting title. Salt, of course, in that timeline, in that culture, was a preservative. Even as we had preservatives to food, right? Like, people don't like the preservatives because most preservatives essentially have something chemical and usually something bad for you. So we like our food fresh, like whole foods or organic and all that kind of stuff. 
But in that day and age, salt, of course, was a preservative. It stops putrefaction. Salt stops rotting. They would salt their meats when they had cut their meats, and they would salt them to preserve them. So like when the Roman legions went to go conquer somebody in Central Europe, they'd have their meat, and they would salt it, and that's how they'd preserve it. That's what salt is. Humanity and all of its genius that God gave us being created in his image and his glory early on figured out the value of salt and how it preserves meat and foods and things like that. Salt is, above all else, a preservative. Now, it's a nice flavor. I mean, salt adds flavor. Your eggs, whatever, your steak. I'm a salt guy. I do like salt, so I understand that, and most of you probably do too. But I do not believe the context here has so much to do with flavor, although Jesus references that, as much as being a preservative. So if we think about you, me, individuals, a church, I'm the universal church on planet Earth about being salt, we can say this, that we're the salt of the earth, and if we lose our flavor, how can something be seasoned? And it's good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So if salt doesn't have flavor, why would you put it on your scrambled eggs, right? Why would you do that? It would be meaningless. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't serve a purpose. And so if the salt can't give flavor, and if it can't preserve things, then what's its purpose? It's not going to make your seasoning rack. It doesn't, it doesn't belong. It is truly good for nothing. And Jesus says, not only is it good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And evidently in this culture, when salt lost its value, that's exactly what they used it for. Of course, if you've ever lived somewhere in a winter climate, like we did in Vermont, they salt the roads. When it snows from beginning October before Halloween till Memorial Weekend, my one year in Vermont, it snowed before Halloween, and it snowed on Memorial Weekend. They call it the endless winter. Two seasons, winter and a very brief summer. And they salt the roads, and that's why when you live in those places, your, your cars get destroyed very quickly because of salted roads. And again, if you've ever lived like in four-season places like the Midwest or Colorado or something like that, you, you get that. And so salt, they'll salt the roads. It, it, it melts the snow. It does stuff like that. So that's exactly how it would be used. The salt they use to salt North Burlington Avenue is not the salt that you put on your eggs that morning when you live in North Burlington. Two different salts. One is still has flavor. One's used to clear the roads, and so you can drive your car on the road. And so truly, this is a, an analogy. This is a, a picture, an example by Jesus that we can really very simply understand. So I say again, you, the follower of Jesus Christ, me, the follower of Jesus Christ, we are the salt of the earth. So we think about this, that we are really... When you think about bringing flavor, so when you get a job, you bring flavor to it. When you're in a family gathering, you should be bringing flavor. There's something pleasing about your presence. Now, you can't please men all the time or people, and there are people that will speak evil of you and your family, at your workplace, at your school, and these sorts of things. But really, you know, our presence, our presence in the room should bring flavor to the room. It should bring something more. But it should also bring restraint. Our presence in the room should restrain most people from evil they might otherwise, lines they might otherwise cross. For example, there are some people around you when you live for Christ, when you're not in the room at work, they might be a bit more vulgar or a bit more crude. But when you walk in the room, they kind of shuffle their feet and forget that joke and they kind of cut it off or they're gossiping and they stop slandering when you walk in the room. 
That's a really good thing. That's a nice compliment. When people try and hide stuff when you walk in the room. That's an example of being the preservative. Because the preservative is a restraint. We're restrained against corrosion. And on that note, we're told in 2 Thessalonians that concerning the Antichrist, who is going to come with all the power of Satan and one man to rule a global government with total control over all humanity? And we're also told in the New Testament that many Antichrists have already come. So from Caesar Nero burning Christians for his pleasure in the Colosseum in Rome, 65 AD, to the present politicians who seek to attack and discredit Christians and the people that join them with them, the church has been and continues to be a restraint against that, their, that worldview. And so we do find ourselves attacked for preser- being a preservative and a prevention against corrosion. And the ultimate prevention against corrosion, against the ultimate corrosion, the Antichrist, and the reign of Satan on planet Earth through a man before Christ comes, is the church. Because we're told in 2 Thessalonians, only one thing restrains the Antichrist, though there's many Antichrists happening at various times. I mean, certainly Hitler and Stalin and people like that were Antichrist. Mary Tudor of England was an Antichrist. There were types of Antichrist. And the spirit of Antichrist is the spirit of Satan working through his organize dominion and minions of principalities and powers in the air, Ephesians 6 tells us. But the ultimate power of Satan on planet Earth still awaits humanity. Let me say that again. The ultimate power of Satan and the kingdom of darkness on planet Earth is still restrained and not yet seen. So from the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden... And all the evil that humanity has ever seen, all we'll know of hell for a believer in Christ is what we see on planet Earth right now. All the world will know of heaven is what they see in you and me as salt of the world. And we're told in 2 Thessalonians that we restrain the Antichrist. We are salt. And we're told that that which restrains the Antichrist is restraining him until now is still restraining him. The Holy Spirit working through the church is restraining the Antichrist. And until Christ comes for his church, he cannot be revealed. His power of darkness cannot be unveiled and released on planet Earth to an unbelieving world, given over to their depravity by God himself, who allows them to believe their delusion. It can't happen because we're still here. We're the salt of the world results of the earth. We are preventing total rot and putrefaction of planet earth right now, church of Jesus Christ. That is what we're doing. You say, why, why do I have to be here to see all the strange stuff we're seeing right now? Because we're the salt. Because God so loved the world, he gave his son. God loves humanity, even rotten, fallen, putrefied humanity at war with him. God loves humanity. And as Jesus said, the angels rejoice when just one soul is made right with God. And souls are being made right with God even this day on planet Earth. And we have these two parallel courses going where there's this evil and this this rot on planet Earth and this degeneration away from God on on a global level. And yet at the same time, we're the church. And the gospel is still going forth. The Great Commission is still being fulfilled and is being done and accomplished by the church, which is the salt of the earth. When you think about being the salt of the earth, it's not so much what we're doing. It's more what we represent and what we're preventing. It's what we're preventing. We're preventing. When you think about things, what can happen next on planet earth? 
when you think about forced vaccinations, transgenderism, we have a man competing in the Olympics in the women's division who's biologically a man. And you think of these types of things that would seem so insane to us as normal functioning human beings on planet Earth just 12 years ago, before Prop 8 in 2008. And you see what's happened. And you see just this unrestraint. It's like in Revelation when the demons are loose from earth and from the pit of the earth and they come out. And we see it just, we see a total lack of restraint. We've seen the removal of Ten Commandments. We've seen the removal of right and wrong and absolute to the shift to moral relativism. And it's so hard to watch. But as bad as you think it is right now, can you imagine what happens when the church is gone? I mean, when a man is no longer a man or a woman is no longer a woman, and you can go in the women's room as a man and say, I identify as a woman, and you have laws protecting that right, you say, where can you go from here? Well, let me tell you, I've thought about it, and we can go a lot more darker places than we are right now with this one. So you, you can't just bake your cakes. They're going to make you bake a cake for them and say, you approve that. They're going to force their right on your moral conscience with the authority of the word of God that's restraining against that. And this is where it goes. So it's a shaming of anyone who speaks against those things. It's a, it's a coming against their businesses, their livelihoods, and personal convictions. And so when you remove the rights of personal rights, which is the foundation of our country, by the way, and self-determination, and you have forced the law of the tribe and cancel culture and the woke mob, and your move is toward rotting, so we can't identify a male and a female in kindergarten, but we can't give them direction of right and wrong with the Ten Commandments or pray for them. And this is where we are in 2021. And it is exasperating, but trust me and believe me, we're still here with the purpose. We can't let the frustration of things we can't control keep us from doing what we're called to do, which God does control. He controls it all, actually. But what we can control is our attitude and our hearts and to be about the Father's business. And we are salt. And we are restraining, as putrefied as things might seem, we're still restrained against further putrefication or in the midst of it. Because there's a lot more dark places that this can all go. And I think we all know that. And that's not the point of my message. The point of my message is we're a preservative and we're a restraint against it. The Bible tells us not to remove the ancient boundaries. And the ancient boundaries are God's law and his word. And we've watched our society and much of the world remove those boundaries. But let them not be removed from our hearts and our minds and our personal convictions. We need to be like Martin Luther putting the thesis on the church door in Wittenberg saying, this is who we are, this is what we believe, and we're not going to be moved from these things. We need to be like Paul the Apostle saying, this is who I believed in, and this is what I'm called to do, and nor do I count my life dear to me, and I'm going to complete the race that God sent before me. This is who we need to be as salt. Salt is preserving, and just you not capitulating to the insanity and the madness of the society around us is your calling from the Lord, my calling from the Lord as disciples of Jesus Christ, that we continue to stand and represent what truth is. That's the church. Because if the church of Jesus Christ doesn't stand for absolute truth, then we're worthless. And we're not even worthy to be scattered on the streets of North Burlington in a winter snowstorm in January. We're worthless. Our flavor, our value is in the convictions of our hearts and conscience before the living God 
like all those who came before us. And we are not moved from these things because society forces its views contrary to these things. We're the salt of the earth. Keep our flavor. I intend to keep my flavor. It's hard to watch pastors roll over and show cowardice. But it's not like they became cowards. They always were cowards. It's not like someone suddenly became afraid of Big Surf. They were always afraid of Big Surf. It was never in them. You see, that's how it works in life. It's not the fire that necessarily makes it happen. The fire reveals what's already happened. So we need a purpose in our hearts to be faithful, to be salt. We need to be willing to stand, and having done all stand, and when necessary, speak what needs to be spoken and needs to be said. God's not calling us to save the world. He's calling us to be faithful to him and his word. That's a pretty easy mandate. You and I being faithful daily to the word of God for our conscience and our heart and our actions and reactions is a fairly simple play call. But if it's suddenly on us to save the world, then we're the Savior instead of Jesus. No, if we are the last generation in the church of Jesus Christ, and someone's going to be, might be our children or our children's children or many generations to come, they're going to need to stand as salt in the most putrefied time in human history, much more putrefied than what we see in our own timeline right now. So we need a purpose in our hearts to just keep our flavor and not be moved from the compass of north, that the word of God is a final authority in all things. And with God, yes is yes, and amen. And with the Father of lights, there's no shadow of turnings. He hasn't changed his character or his objectives and his plans with the human race and his universe. And we want to align ourselves and continue to align ourselves in obedience, in our thought processes, in our attitudes, in our dispositions to his truth and to continue to be salt. We don't have to force ourselves on anybody. We're salt on the table. If they grab us, it's preservative. It's flavor. If they reject us, that's their choice. Preserve our own hearts. Preserve our own minds. Add flavor to our own hearts, our own minds, our household, our families, and the people we love, and the society we live in. Praying for our society. Praying for people and caring about people. Some people are going to be putrefied no matter what you do to try and stop them. But don't lose your flavor just because they're putrefied. We keep our flavor because we're the salt of the earth. We're the church of Jesus Christ. The second thing we see is you're the light of the world. So as salt, we're a restraint, but as the light of the world, we're a light. You are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. If you give light to all who are in the house, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So... The light of the world has the idea that we're showing the way in darkness. The world is in darkness. Like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we know that there was darkness and light. And God drew the distinction of darkness and light. Literally, in time, space, and matter. The measurable day of time and the unit of time in his universe. Then in the Gospel of John, that same concept is brought forth to moral. Where... Jesus is the light, and he's the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, but men didn't comprehend it. And so, coming forth in the New Testament, 
We're taught that there's a moral darkness and there's a moral light. And Jesus is the moral light. Jesus is the light of the world. And he says, we're the light of the world. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he tells us, his disciples, we're the light of the world. Since he's the light of the world and we're the light of the world, then what we need to do is reflect his light like the moon and the sun. We're not manufacturing the light. We're abiding in the light and we're reflecting the light. We really are like the moon. The light we're shining in the world is not a light that we're manufacturing. It's a light that we're reflecting that we've been with Jesus. Or as it says in 2 Corinthians, seeing him in a mirror, being transformed from glory to glory, and we're in his presence being transformed, we bring that to our world as we go out and about, and we're the light of the world. Recently, when Jennifer and I drove back from Florida a couple months ago, we had been in San Antonio, and we're going into West Texas. Now, if you know anything about Texas on the 10, once you get about 50 miles west of San Antonio... There's a whole lot of nothing all the way to El Paso. It's about 400 miles of, like, capital, uppercase, and nothing. And you go, like, maybe 60 miles, there might be a small town stuff, but there's a lot of darkness. And I remember we drove at night that night. It was uh, really the only night we drove at night. And you, you, as you get away from society and a lot of people, there's a couple trucks out there, but there's some stretches at night where you're like, it's just dark, like Texas dark. Now, Pastor Chuck used to talk about in Orange County, the, the light pollution, that you can't really see the heavens that declare his glory. But when, when you pull over in the dark in West Texas, you can see the glory because it is dark, dark, dark. And you can see that small town of 2,000 people that you have your hotel reservation at, you know, for Fairfield Inn. You know your map, your phone says it's like 10 miles ahead, but... You, you can see it way out there because it's so dark you can't miss the city that's lit up because it's the only a city that's lit up. Ozona. Ozona, Texas. I mean, it's, it's, everything's dark out there. It's like a black canvas, and that has, to be, that has to be Ozona, Texas. It's the city on a hill. You can see the light. In a dark world, we're like Ozona, Texas. We're the city on a hill. People need to be able to see that light from a distance. They need to be drawn to the light. The light lights the way. In darkness, the light lights the way. One thing I don't like about camping is you're in the dark. And if you've got to go up in the middle of the night, you've got to get a flashlight. And I, I, you know, you need the flashlight to show you the way. I like light. I like to see where I'm going. But the world's in darkness. Jesus is the light. We're the light of the world. We reflect the light and we bring that moral light and that moral direction and we, we do the right things and we show people the light. Or as people say, I've seen the light. The famous movie that won the Academy Award in 1941, Sergeant York, the true story of that World War I hero, Sergeant York, Alvin York. It's a classic. I was at, the, I was at Robert Heflin's house. I was on your TV. I was like, yeah, it's Sergeant York. One of my favorite movies. But... Uh, Alvin York gets hit with lightning. It's a true story. He was a rebel, and they got hit with lightning. It's in Tennessee. And there's a scene in the movie where they're like, what happened to the town rebel-rousing Alvin York? They said, oh, Alvin York done seen the light. Oh, Alvin York done seen the light. Right? We've seen the light. Jesus is the light. And the way people see the light is we reflect the light. And we're a light showing the way in darkness. We're a city on a hill 
shining for the Lord. And they see the light by our actions and reactions of the character that Christ has produced in our life and how we proactively act and how we reactively act to various circumstances in the human experience. Now, obviously, it's not perfect. As my sister says, progress, not perfection. If you are here last Saturday, you might have caught that. I actually prayed that. And my wife almost had a laughing fit with my daughter, Hannah. Like, if you know my wife, when she gets silly, she's tired, she, she almost gets in a laughing fit. And she almost got in a laughing fit because, of course, she knows my sister very well. But, I mean, she's like, my husband is quoting Barbie and rehab quotes while he's praying at the end of service, you know. But my sister, you know, she's like, she gets overwhelmed and stuff, right? You know, and she's like, but she's like, Joey, progress, not perfection. Yes, that's right. Uh, that's biblically based, right? We're being transformed from glory to glory. Not that I've attained, as Paul said, but I press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's progress, not perfection. Just another way of saying it. And we're not a perfect light, but we are the light. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.